we're going to hear the tour um, that I got to go on at the distillery, the new distillery in Ahaskra. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for this. Who was um, originally in possession. So we can trace the mill back to about the 1800s. We can do that through documents and etchings that were found in this red brick house over here. So that's Milverton House. So we can trace it back to the 1800s, but they're about 1810. But they're... You have great crack with the tractors here. So, um, but there's no sign of mill in the life, or no sign of life in the mill until about 1833, when a man named Samuel Alexander Bell took it over. His intention was originally to turn it into a distillery, but sadly he um, emigrated to New Zealand in 1845, which would have been during the Great Famine. It then fell into the hands of a man named Thomas Hunt, who was son of the rector of Carlow. So Thomas married into a local gentry family in Ahaska. You might know them, the Mahan family. He married Caroline Mahan. So he married her, and that marriage at the time was kind of frowned upon um, because she was marrying a trade rather than status. So after that, then, he hired the Elliots. So it was two bachelor brothers and a bachelor sister to run the mill. And they had another brother who lived, you mightn't see the door now, but it's just that first grey building there. So they had a brother named Alec who lived in that over there. So because the Elliots were bachelors, they had no sons or daughters to pass the mill down. So it fell to Charles' son, um, sorry, fell to Alec's son, Charles. So Charles ran the mill, but unfortunately Charles was a little bit too fond of a good time and he ran the mill into the ground in the space of about two years. And then on the Christmas or on New Year's Eve of 1945, the mill went on fire under suspicious circumstances. So Charles was never to be seen then again after that. The next person who took over the mill was Sir George Mahan. So he was director of Guinness and Mahan Banking until 1974. He did a lot of things to the mill that really got it up and running. So the first thing he did was he electrified the mill. The second thing he did was he added a clock and a siren to the outside. So we'll see it when we go into the still room, but there is the place of the original clock is still there. So he also added a siren which would notify the workers when to break for lunch and then when to come back for lunch. We're told that the siren was so loud that it could be heard in neighbouring villages. So there is some people still still to this day who said they would use the siren um, in the bog when they're in the bog as a sign to go home for dinner and then come back again. And then the last thing he did with the mill was he um, created a flag and he hung it off the top of the mill and it was red and white, which is still a Hasker colours today. The flag was eventually taken down because um, it caused a bit of, we'll say, arguments with the locals because it reminded them of Britain and British, the red and the white. So it was replaced by a statue of St. Martin de Porres, who was a patron saint. So that appeased the locals then for a while. Um, as you can see, it fell through a lot of hands after that then until it thankfully ended up with the McAllisters who have really breathed a new, a new sense of life into the building, thank God. So the stonework you can see here at the front is mostly the original. So when they bought the mill, the front, these front two walls were pretty much intact. The back buildings, which you'll see in a while, had been broken down from three storeys or two storeys down to one. So they've done a lot of, a lot of work on it. So I'll bring you inside now here, Holly. I can get the girls to sing. So this is where the process starts here. So across the road, we have four silos, which is where we hold the barley. They're then forklifted across the road, and they come through this vent here. So the barley is put into this container along with hot liquor, and we hold the hot liquor in this container here. This container is well water, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But 
So you have 2,000 litres of hot liquor and 750 kg of barley. So it's put in here. It's stirred around. It's kind of, the way we describe it is kind of like a big bowl of porridge. So it's put... what hot liquor is? Hot liquor, so that's the spirit. Yeah, what's that made of? What's it made of? Yeah. I'm actually not sure. You'll have to ask. You'll have to ask inside. But yeah, just hot liquor. And it's pumped in here and it's turned on to 65 degrees. So it's put in here for 20 to 40 minutes. It's left and when it's, hopefully, you can have it up in here. When it's up and running, you'll be able to see it. You can see the train in there, so you'll be able to see it. Like that. Oh, gosh, yeah. Just mixed around. Yeah. So you have the hot liquor and the barley in that and where one. does the barley come from? Is it local? Yeah, so I'll tell you that over here. So the barley isn't local at the moment. It's bought in. It's bought from Kildare, but it is Irish barley. So it's not specifically from Kildare, but it is Irish barley. But the hope is that down the line we will be using barley from Ahaskra and the surrounding area. It just takes a little, <laughs> it just takes a little bit of time to get the barley up to scratch and get the farmers on board, the land prepped, all that kind of thing. Yeah. But the hope is that in a few years' time that will be, the, be the idea. Self-sufficient, exactly. Down on, on carbon, on, on tr- you know. Exactly, transport. yeah. And I'll explain. It's actually really interesting. I'll explain it here with this. So the barley, the hot barley water, is filtered then underground through pipes into this machine here. Yeah. This machine here is called a mash filter press. So it's a very efficient machine. I can imagine it costs a few bob to buy, but it will definitely be worth it in the long run. So the barley water is filtered through this machine, and the way we describe it is it's kind of like a big tea bag. So you have 47 plates here. The barley and the hot liquor will come in through the first plate, down, up through the second one, down again, and that process will happen 47 times. At the end, you'll be left with a sweet barley water that we call wort, and we'll achieve, by using this machine, we'll achieve 98% extract, which is really good because in a regular machine, you'd only achieve about 78 So it's really efficient. Um, to go back to the barley, the barley then, that, so you're left with the water, the barley that's left over will fall down. Hopefully, we'll have a container at the bottom to catch mm. it. It'll catch it, and then it's transported away to the local farmers to be used as animal feed. Oh, animal feed. Yeah. Or so fertilizer. Or first, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'd say so. My farm knowledge wouldn't be great now, so I don't really know, but animal yeah. feed anyway. So it's, it's really high in protein. So it's 33% protein, and it's really high in natural sugars as well. So really good for the animals. And it'll be nice down the line that when we're getting the barley from the farmers You'll that able we're able to, to give, give it back. back. Yes, yeah, sure. Exactly. So it is, it is definitely, definitely a, a worthwhile investment in this machine here. The um, distillery itself is at about 80% automated at the moment, and this machine here is what slows us down to 80%. So it has to be hand cleaned. So I'll show you here. Every time it's used for filtration, it has to be hand cleaned. So our distillery manager, when, when we are up and running, will be here every couple of hours cleaning that down. Um, you can see it's like, a, like filter paper. So it's like, we say 47 tea bags, basically, is how we describe it on that one. So I'll bring you around to this. Yeah. So actually, just to tell you about the water tank as well. So that's where we keep our well water. The well that we have drilled, it's drilled at 400 feet. And it's the original well that was used back in the 1800s as well. So it's great to be able to keep as much of the old. And in fairness, we have tried to keep as much of the old as you possibly can. So that's nice. But these here are the fermentation tanks. So we have four of them. 
that sweet barley water that I was talking about that is extracted out of this machine is then pumped into these tanks here. They're 15,000 litres, so there's quite, quite a bit of space in them. But, so the sweet barley water is then known as wort. So that's in here, and we add yeast. Yeast is a living organism, so it'll eat the sugars in the barley water. In doing so, it'll produce two natural byproducts, the first being CO2, which is filtered out through there, and the second one, which is alcohol, which we're interested in how we make our money. But the alcohol in this then will be at 8%. So it's kind of like a beer, but it just has no hops, so it's not drinkable. And the, so it's kind of like a beer in this tank, and that's why we call this the brew house. This building here is known as the brew house. The one we're about to enter into is the still house. So I'll bring it in there now. So I'll just tell you a little bit about the building. So this first building here on the left-hand side is the admin building. Then the one at the back is the um, where we hold, house our heat pumps. So you've probably heard that the distillery is zero emissions and it's completely powered off renewable energy. So we have wind, solar and hydro energy. So how we do that is by using very high temperature heat pumps and an efficient storage system as well. So you saw in the video Garrett's a civil engineer, that's where the idea came from. He had the idea that this could be used in distilling whiskey and he was right, thankfully he was right. But it's the first time that it's ever been used um, in this industry. It's used in other industries, but not in the whiskey and gin distilling. But that's where the heat pumps are. So the heat pumps, um, the best way to describe them is they're kind of like a fridge. So you know, in a fridge you have a thermodynamic engine at the back. So that takes the heat from the fridge and expels it back in to keep the fridge cool. The heat pumps do the opposite they take the heat in. So they're kind of the way, and also another way to describe it is like two huge immersion heaters basically is what they are. And they can reach 120 degrees, which is the highest in Ireland and the UK. Um, this building here then is currently under construction. You can probably hear the lads at work in there now, but this is hopefully to be opened in 2024. So when it does, we'll have a museum on the bottom. The tasting room then will be in here instead of across in the cafe. And then the top is going to be used for events, so weddings, parties, whatever it might be. Um, so it'll be really nice when that's done. And uh, we're very lucky as well in Ahasker, we have, well, they've maintained a lot of the original mill equipment, so that will go into the museum. But also, as well as the Mahon family that I talked about in the history part, that we're a local gentry family, there was also another family, I think they were Dillons, but I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think they were Dillons and they were really into photography. So they have loads of pictures back from years and years ago where not many people would have had access to cameras or whatever. So we're lucky that we have all those pictures to go into the museum as well when it is, when it is ready. Um, so yeah, and then you can see over this side here then, you probably saw in the video the mill wheel being taken out. Yeah. So we have that at the moment. It's just been sent away to be restored. So hopefully in the, in the near future we'll get it back to its rightful place and then that's how we're going to generate a little bit of hydro energy. So the distillery will be about 10% hydro, 20% wind and then 70% um, solar energy. So you can see, the, so you might have seen the solar panels on the roofs and they're also on the cafe across the way as well. Um, so the water has actually risen a lot with all the rain we've had in the last few days. That last weekend that was nearly completely dry so it looks much nicer now that the water is flowing through it. Um, but yeah, so I'll bring you in here now. Now, so this is the still house in here. So we have our three whiskey stills and then we have our gin still at the top, at the bottom, sorry, that's slightly elevated up. 
So you probably know in whiskey, you hear triple distilled whiskey. That's what the stills are. So we've one, two, three stills. First question we always get is, what are the names on them? So uh, whiskey still in Ireland has to be named after a female. So Michelle is the owner. Then Rebecca is her first daughter and Nicole is her second daughter. So that's what the names are on those. Um, so we have three stills. We have the wash still, we have the intermediate still, and then we have the spirit still at the end. So as I was saying, the alcohol in the fermenters is at 8%. That's then pumped into the still here, and the still is turned on, heated, steam rises up to the top. When the steam hits the solid at the top, it will fall, we call, sorry, we call this the swan's neck here, so it will fall up, this, go up the swan's neck, and then down the lion's arm, and it's condensed at the back, in the containers at the back. It's turned on to about 80 to 85 degrees. The reason for that being that the boiling point of alcohol is 78.3 and the boiling point of water is 100. So we want it somewhere in the middle. So turned on, heated, steam rises, cools, and it's condensed at the back. Another question we usually get is about the copper. So they're quite obviously made of copper and there's a few reasons for that. The first one is that copper is an easy manipulated material. So it's easy manipulated into this nice shape here that we get. The second reason being that it's got to do with the conduction of the heat throughout the whole process, which is really important to the overall taste of the whiskey at the end. Um, if we install these stills, and for some reason one of them happened to get a dent in the installation process, when we go to replace the still in 20 to 30 years' time, the, an identical dent would have to be put in the new still because it's that important to the overall taste of the whiskey, the conduction of the heat throughout the whole process. And then the last reason is that copper actually holds on to sulfites. And sulfites are what are in alcohol and what give us a hangover. So technically a hangover-free whiskey is what I'm told to say. But, <laughs> so don't, don't quote me now on that one. Um, but yeah, so it comes in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how, how hangover-free you'd be. But anyway, don't come back to me. Um, that, yeah, so as I was saying, it comes in at 8%. And by the end of the distillation, when it's all heated up, it'll be at 25% alcohol then in this still. So then it goes into this still. Same process happens again. Heated, steam rises, condenses and it goes from 25% up to 55%. So it's rising all the time. And you can probably guess then, in the bottom still, same thing happens again. It's heated, steam rises, and at the end of that process, it's anywhere between 76 and 78% alcohol. It's then water. Is the shape cosmetic, or is the shape that for purpose? It is, it is for a purpose. So you probably notice the still, so this still and this still are the same size. So there's 7,500 litres. And the third one is only 4,500. So the reason for that being is that every time you distill, you lose a third of the overall product. So that's why when it comes to the end, the still is slightly smaller. And the shape, yeah, as well. So the shape has got to do with the conduction of the heat also. You'll see on this one, see the way there's kind of like a bubble? That's also to get more, um, we'll say, more surface area of heat on, on the whiskey. And then this shape, the swan's neck shape here, I think it's got to do with the steam that rises, rises up. It's kind of like a kettle, kind of. That's yeah. the way we kind of describe it um, in, in the whiskey distilling. So I know vodka, when you distill vodka, it's kind of in a long, long cylinder. And then the whiskey ones are this shape here. Right. When you're talking about the maturity of whiskies, yeah. is that when it's laid down in barrels? Yeah. And have you, you so you wouldn't have a mature whiskey at the moment at the moment so what happens is at the end of this it's sent away to be casked 
and it's fin or it's it's aged in a certain type of cask and then it's finished in a, a different type of cask. So it's sent so, to where so where will that process At the moment our warehouse is in Roscommon, so that's where so it'll be cast when we do get up and running, it'll be casked here and then it'll be sent to the warehouse. At the moment it's in Roscommon. Down the line they have got planning permission for one just up the road. So you put them in, in aged barrels which will give it the taste yeah. and the flavour. Yeah, so depending on the whiskey, I'll tell you in the tasting, but depending on the whiskey it'll be aged in different type of barrels. Yeah, exactly. Some of them are oak, some of them... they're all, Sorry, all of ours are actually aged in ex-bourbon. So I'll explain that in the tasting. But then at the, some of them are finished in a different type of cask to give it a different taste at the end. And you'll, you'll taste all that in, in the tasting anyway. Because some of your Scottish whiskies have got a piece... A peated whiskey, yeah. Whiskey. Yeah, so exactly. How do they achieve that then? So peated is that it's um it's burned over peat at the start of the process. Oh, okay. And then it for for it to be a Scottish whiskey, it has to be aged in an oak cask. Whereas Irish whiskey doesn't, it can be aged in any type of cask. But legally to be a Scottish whiskey it has to be in an oak an oak cask. And they're stored in a cellar, presumably. Yeah, a cellar like a is again four thousand five hundred litres. And it's where our gin is made. Remember we were talking earlier, we were saying that gin is so much gin on the Irish market at the moment. The reason for that is that if you distill gin on a Monday, you'll have it on the shelf by a Wednesday. So, whereas with the whiskey, the minimum amount legally to be an Irish whiskey, it has to be aged in a cask for a year, or sorry, three years and one day. So it takes that bit longer, whereas with the gin, it can be done in basically 48 hours. So the spirit will be put in here, it will be distilled off again. And when it's just at the end of the distillation, it'll be at 78%. It's then watered back down to 43. And we same with the whiskey, we water it all down. The whiskey ends up at 76 to 78. It's watered back down to about 65 with the well water that we get from the well here. Will so, you some just as a... Yeah, so all the whiskeys are kind of a different percentage, so it well, kind of depends. I don't, I think our highest could be 65. I'm not 100% sure, yeah. Yeah, but um, so the in the gin still then, you probably wonder what gives gin that taste and smell, um, and that's a thing called botanicals. So in gin, you'll have different types of botanicals, but they are ho- housed in kind of like a cask chamber in the still, and that's what gives it the flavours and the taste and the aromas. The ones then that are kind of more delicate, we'll say, so like um, flower petals, things like that, are housed in a, you can see that little grey cylinder up there. They're housed up there, and the reason for that being that they disintegrate in the heat of the still. So when the steam rises, it passes through the vapour basket, and it picks up the smells and tastes from that. But um, some botanicals that we use in our gin, so we have eight botanicals in our gin. So we have persimmon, we have pineapple, we have lemon, lemongrass, uh, lime, dill, cinnamon, and there's one more that I can't remember now. Juniper, there's juniper as well, you're right. That's, that's, that's the one. So juniper is, every gin that you distill will have juniper berries in it. If it doesn't, it's just a fruity vodka, so it's not a gin. So they're the main one in every, um, in every gin that's distilled. In our one, we think we're one of the few distilleries in Ireland that's using pineapple as a botanical. So I'll actually open them up, and you can have a smell of them all. Um, you'll probably get... The usual gin smell off the, off the juniper, but it's very strong. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I don't even smell. Mm. You smell much of them now, but mm-hmm. it's nice. I've got rosemary in it. 
There no. could be. I think they're... Lavender. Lavender. And there's a story behind this is this is one of the botanicals we use in our gin. And the reason for that being that Michelle and Gareth lived in Hong Kong for quite a while. And in their garden, they had persimmon trees. So they weren't sure what they were for a long time. But then around October time, they started to blossom and they would use them in their cooking and stuff like that. So they wanted to incorporate them in their gin then in the end, which was a nice, a nice idea. But um, you get them in the supermarkets around October. So that's what they are. So we'll see. You'll see more in the tasting anyway. You can see. Can you taste them? Now, so this here is called the Spirit Safe. So this is used in the whiskey distilling. So there's the three stills, and we have the three departments for each one. When you distill whiskey, um, three parts will come off of the distillate. You'll have the heads, the hearts, and the tails. The heads and the tails are the parts that you don't want because they're high in ethanol and they're not suitable for drinking, but the hearts is the part that you do want. The reason for that being is that it's the best taste and the best quality. So this is where they test for those. The overall process in each still will take about six to eight hours. So you'll know, you'll have a rough gauge of when the hearts are going to come off in that time. But our distillery manager, when we're up and running, will be here with a, with a lock to the case and she'll be testing on smell, texture, taste, all that kind of thing. So you can move, you can move it back and forth between the two. An interesting story is, back in the day, um, the only man who had a key to the safe was the taxman. So he would sit at the side of the safe on a stool and he would t- taste the whiskey. And you can see a little flap on the, on the grey things there. The amount of times that flap would flap is how he would determine how much to tax the company then at the end. So don't do that anymore, thank God. But um, yeah, so that's, I'm sure he had plenty of cracks sitting here tasting the whiskey. But that's what that was used for um, years ago. But yeah, so that's kind of the end. I might get you to sign our board down the bottom. We're kind of getting all of our first few tours to sign it. But I'll take you down there now. You have the Oosh and you have the Zin Gin. So we'll go with the Oosh, so the bottom left one first. Okay. So the Oosh is a triple blend whiskey. So it is a young blend, so it's only four years old. Um, sorry, not that one, this one. So, um, yeah, so it's only four years old. It's a triple blend, so it's a blend of single malt, single pot still, and single grain whiskey. So we have malted and unmalted barley, which is cooked and uncooked barley. So it's a single malt, so it's 25% <coughs> single malt. It's 25% um, pot still, which is a mix of cooked and uncooked barley, and then 50% grain which is quite unusual for an Irish whiskey because they are normally quite high in percentage of grain and then quite low of malt and pot still. The single just means that it comes from the one distillery. So that's where the single comes from. A lot of people, that kind of throws a lot of people, but that's all that that means. So it's a young blend. It's only four years old. If you want to give it a nose, they say the best way to (laughs) nose whiskey is um, just keep your mouth slightly open. And smell. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, it is, yeah. What kind of smells or tastes? <coughs> You're the whiskey drinker, pal. <laughs> so because it's such a high percentage of grain, it is quite cereally kind of in taste. Um, you can definitely smell that off it. Um, pear drops. That's what it reminds me of. Pear drops? Pear drops, yeah, yeah. We get, a, we get completely different for all of them. So it's it just... 43%, is that one? That is 43%, yeah. So 
it, um, we get completely different smells and tastes for all of them, which will just show that it's, it's completely subjective to everyone what, um, what taste they get from it. Um, it can evoke a memory sometimes, sometimes it's a taste, it kind of di differs for everyone. But I'll tell you a bit about the bottle. It's not so very strong smelling. I'm no, it's not. I'm no, no, it's not. You'll see, you'll see in the next one now it is. And yeah. it's, it's only four years, so it yeah. is that younger it's blend. Quite mild, and it's quite a mild. Yeah, and it's colour, light. The colour, yeah. the colour's nice, I love colour. Yeah. It's very clear, though, in comparison it is. to... Yeah. So as I was saying about the casks, so all of our whiskies are aged in an ex-bourbon cask. So that's bourbon, and um, Kentucky bourbon. And then they are fi this whisky, Oosh, is finished in a oak, American oak cask. So that's, and it's only four years, so that's why it is slightly um, lighter in colour. Mm. So I'll tell you a bit about the um, name, behind the name. So there was three collars, which you'll probably see the two bottles, the two whiskies linking together, but I'll talk about that in a minute. So you have the three collar brothers, so the clan collar. So you call it Oosh, clan of man, and call it full Cree. There were three brothers. Kala Ush was the oldest one. So he ended up to be the high... They were all rulers of ancient Ireland, but he ended up to be the high king. So that's why they called this whiskey after him. Um, we recently redesigned the bottle. It used to be kind of a plainer label, but they've recently put his face on the front, which I think is nice. Um, the other bottle was kind of plain, so this adds kind of a nice, a nice um, bit of difference to it. I might add as well, all the bottles and the... Um, Labels are all 100% recyclable, so that also ties in with the whole eco distillery and the renewable and all, all that, which is nice. But what did you think of it? Can we taste it? Now? Yeah, taste it. Yeah, work me. I'll go, on, I'll go on to this one now while you're ta finishing that one off. So this is our clan collar. So as I was saying, it ties in with this bottle here. So Oosh was the first of the brothers. The clan is all three of them together. So. We have a range of whiskies. This one here that you're tasting is a seven-year-old, so it goes from a seven, then we have a the next one's an 11, then it's a 19 and a 20. So the, we obviously we don't give the, the other ones out on tasting because so they're that little bit more premium and a little bit in lesser demand, or in lesser supply, sorry. So um, we, we give out the seven on the tasting. So how long have they been making whiskey? Whiskey here, so yeah. So you're probably wondering, there's nothing, no whiskey being made here, here at yeah. the moment, yeah. So, and as I was saying, it takes a minimum of three years and a day to make a whiskey, yeah. plus the two years that it took to make the distillery. So we haven't actually made any whiskey. So what whiskey companies do is they source whiskey. So okay. it's sourced from other brands. So they, they, they released a family bond series in 2021. So with our whiskeys, and the gin is actually made on site at the moment. The gin is distilled here, but yeah, they released a family bond. And it takes two days to make the gin. Yeah, well, so it's a much, much quicker process. Um, but yeah, so hopefully in, we'll say, three years' time now, we'll have our own whiskey that's actually distilled in a Haskra. Um, but for the moment, they source it. They source it from um, a place in Dundalk, so okay. that's where it comes from. But, um, so yeah, so give that, you can give... This is a blended whiskey, then? This is a single-grain whiskey, okay. so it's grain. So that one there is, it's finished, sorry, it's aged in an ex-bourbon, the same as the first one, yeah. but it's finished in a Panamanian rum cask. So it's a rum cask from Panama. Okay. So that's what gives, if you give it a smell, you can smell the rum off it, and um, mm -hmm. you can probably smell kind of like baking um, spices, so like cinnamon, nutmeg, that kind of smell off it. They released it at Christmas time, so it was a nice one to release um, mm -hmm. with the smell and stuff off it. So you can taste, you can smell the rum, sorry, off it, and that's why it is a little bit darker. It is your seven years, and it's then it was also finished in a rum cask. So that's 
I think they, act, they actually linked in with a company, a rum company in America, and they switched casks over with them. So that's how, how they did that one. But you can give it a taste and see. We've got very, very um, varying results for the taste of this one. We've got, someone said Luke Seed. Someone said um, it reminds them of a walk in the forest. Another one said that it was like when you pull an old mattress down from an attic. So it was very, <laughs> very varying. Um, do you find that one sits longer in your throat? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it does. Yeah, definitely. I think I prefer the younger one. Actually. You prefer the younger mm. one, yeah. That's listening to the This one is sharp. Mm. Sharper, is yeah. Sharper. Yeah, it lingers longer, yeah. Mm. There was a memory when we listened to bluesy sort of music. Like... I'm Carla here, you can see them, so you have the three brothers. They were rulers of ancient Ireland. But you can actually, a whole host of Irish surnames actually come from the clan Cala. So you have Kelly, um, Larkin, Conley, Carol, MacDonald, there's a whole host of them. But McAllister is actually one of them. So Gareth and Michelle traced back their roots and found that they were back ancestors of the clan Cala. So that's what the idea behind the whiskey was. So they collaborated with an Irish artist by the name of Ro- or David Rooney. And he designed the three brothers here on the box. So it's a nice little box. Um, and it's done a really good job on it. So that's the history behind that one. So you liked... But you preferred the first one. I do. And you mm. preferred the second one, is it? Yeah. <laughs> this one, then, the last one. So this is the Zin Gin. So it's our gin. It's 43%. And it is... I'll tell you a bit about the bottle, actually, first, because it's quite interesting. So you can see... As we said, Gareth and Michelle lived in Asia for quite a while, and it's very obviously influenced by the Asian culture. So the red and the gold symbolise wealth and good luck in Asia. So that's where the colours come from. Then you have the kind of Celtic swirls here, which is a nod to their Irish heritage. And they form, if you see on the bottle, they form the shape of a heart. Shin in Mandarin means heart, so that's where that comes from. So it's Shin Jin. And then the cross on the front symbolises the crossing of the two, the two cultures that they love. So Irish culture and the Asian culture as well. So there's a lot of thought gone into the bottle. Um, then at the top here you have Ohm writing, which is the first form of writing in Ireland. And that says family on the side of the bottle. All of our bottles then are stamped with the McAllister logo. So it's the eagle wings, you'll see it yeah. everywhere, all over the distillery. So that's what, what that is. Um, so it's a lovely on the amazing distillery tour here in Ahaskra and I've bumped into the owners Michelle and Gareth how are you? Very good thank you. I have to say what an amazing brand you've created here beautiful imagery on the packaging and I suppose for everybody listening in on the line who might be cute or, or I suppose we're all curious why did you decide to re-establish this beautiful dis- distillery and set it all up and I suppose the interest as well in the mill? Well why not here? Um, we saw this beautiful building online when we were living in Hong Kong and decided when we thought that this was the place we needed to be it was actually the building itself um, the stonework was amazing um, we didn't think the stonework would come up as beautiful as it has so we're delighted with that but yeah I mean the community has been amazing um, and it's all go Absolutely and as well when it comes to the choice as well whiskey and gin what do you love, I suppose, what's the inspiration behind the choice? Why not beer or something else? Why did you decide to choose whiskey and gin? Well, I'm not a beer drinker, so that was never an option. <laughs> um, I'm a gin predominantly drinker. 
do drink whiskey and Gareth is the opposite. He's a whiskey drinker and does sometimes drink gin. So it was always going to be a whiskey and gin. And plus the fact, you know, Ireland is known for its whiskey. So why not go there? Absolutely. And it's quite interesting as well. I suppose we'll go, I'm going to go back a little bit to the packaging, I suppose, and the different types of notes as well and choices of flavours and stuff. So, Gareth, I don't know if you could, I suppose, describe a little bit more to us, I suppose, why you chose certain flavours. Well, the whiskies, we've got two whisky brands, Clancol Irish Whiskey and Oosh Irish Whiskey. And the McAllisters made whisky in the 1800s and Clancolor was their most famous brand. So it was always a thing for us to revive you know, the brand Clan Colour. Um, so Clan Colour at the moment is, a, is, is, a, is all source liquid. It's from other distilleries. But we do all the mature, not all the maturing, some of the maturing, um, all the blending, finishing, bottling and labelling ourselves here in Ahaskara. So a lot of the flavours comes from our wood management. So the finishing that we do with the different types of casks and wood. <coughs> um, and also then the uh, the innovative finishing, like, for example, the Clan Colour 7-year-old, which is a single grain, and uh, I think you've had some of that today, um, that's finished in, in rum casks all the way from Panama. So the Clan Colour range is all, like, innovative type of finishes, and it's always an age statement. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's how we do with the whiskey. Absolutely, and I suppose it's, going to, it's only going to grow and grow and grow, and it's amazing as well that you have the tours... What are, supposed the future ambitions for the distillery? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Sorry. What are the, some of the future ambitions for you guys at the distillery? Um, future ambitions? Well, we, the, the big, tall building at the back of the mill complex is, um, was the old grain store. And uh, we've completed that on the outside. You've seen the stonework has been refinished and the new roof on it and solar panels on the roof. But the inside is empty, so... We hope within the next year to, to open that as um, a full hospitality events building. So there'll be events there, there'll be a mini museum there, and there'll be a larger tasting area that you've had today, much larger, and private tastings as well. So that, that's the next thing after the distillery. Absolutely amazing. I know, John, you're here bursting as well with some questions as well. What's coming to your mind? Absolutely amazing to find such a fantastic setup in, in mid West Island, it's just was expected. Yeah, absolutely, why not? Yeah, absolutely, why not? No, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I'm, a, I'm, I'm just been through the tasting as well, and I'm a non-whiskey drinker. I like my gin, but non-whiskey. And I tasted the three-year-old, the earlier one, and I actually really enjoyed it. It's got a nice, almost a sort of a fruity lightness to it that I, that I enjoyed.